Good afternoon and welcome to Everyday Law. I'm your host, Bob Clark. Today, we're going to have discussions about the law and the news, and there are so many ramifications of that topic that I've brought in an expert, Alan Steinhorn. Welcome, Alan. Uh, Thank you, Bob. It's a pleasure to be here. First of all, as any of our listeners are aware, anything that is said on this show is not the opinion of Howard County Community College, its faculty, staff, employees, or students. Second, any legal discussions on this show are not intended to provide legal advice. If you have an individual legal situation, it is vitally important that you contact a lawyer, speak to a lawyer about it, acquaint them with the facts of your situation, and get individualized legal advice. This is everyday law, but it is not intended to provide legal advice. So, what's in the news, Alan? You know, that's the most loaded question I've been asked (laughs) in about two years. Okay. Um, The last week has produced an amazing amount of news pertaining to President Trump and the means by which he was elected. Last week, three things happened. Uh, Michael Cohen, the president's personal attorney, was sentenced in the eastern or the southern district of New York for two separate cases. One had to do with hush money that was paid to two women that claimed they had affairs with President Trump. There are finance laws, campaign finance laws, that prohibit people from paying large amounts of money into campaigns without revealing it. And the purpose of the campaign finance laws is so that there is transparency in our government. We don't want people who are billionaires to buy elections. They can contribute to PACs. Wealthy people can contribute to organizations. Political action committees. That's right. That advance different political philosophies, but they can't contribute directly to a presidential candidate beyond a $2,700 limit. If they do uh, make these contributions, they have to be filed with the um, Federal Election Commission so that the public is aware of who's putting money into elections. So when Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to paying $150,000 to the Playboy Playmate, um, Karen McDougal, and that even gets more involved because it involves the National Enquirer as well. But let's step aside from sure. that. In addition, he paid $130,000 to um, Stormy. Stormy, Stormy Daniels, who is a, a porn actress. And they did not reveal this. In fact, what the president and the personal attorney did is they concealed these payments. These payments were made in the weeks before the election. And I believe Rudy Giuliani, the president's personal attorney, has been quoted as saying, my gosh, can you imagine what would have happened if this became public in the weeks before the election? Well, if it had become public, he may have lost the election. So you're saying that money was paid on behalf of President Trump to these people with whom he allegedly had affairs, and it was done secretly so the people who were voting didn't know about these affairs and these huge payoffs. Is that what you're saying? That's correct. And the question becomes whether or not he would have had support if people had known that he was paying off a porn star and a Playboy Playmate to hide his alleged affairs. Another uh, shoe dropped in that Michael Cohen, the president's personal attorney, also pleaded guilty to lying before Congress about President Trump's involvement in business activities in Russia. You may remember that throughout the campaign, President Trump said, I have no business deals in Russia. I have nothing to do with Russia. And the reason that he continued to make these proclamations was because people were implying, alleging, saying, you've got interests in Russia that are going to affect how you act as president. And we need to know whether you are connected to Russia. Do you have Russian interests? And the president said over and over again, I have nothing to do with Russia. I have no contacts with Russia. My campaign people do not talk to Russia. 
Well, we have now learned over the last two years that over 16 of the president's associates had contacts with Russians, and not just any Russians, Russians that were connected to Russian intelligence. And not just any Trump associates, his son, his son-in-law, his campaign manager, it is national security advisor. How many people had contact with Russia? And what they've said is, after it was discovered, first it was we had no contact. After it was discovered, it was we had minimal contact, but that was normal, and it had nothing to do with Russia or American relations. It has turned out that all of these things are false. The National Security um, Agency head, Michael Flynn, was talking to the ambassador to Russia about doing away with Russian sanctions. What we have now learned only recently is that during the campaign, Donald Trump, through Michael Cohen and other associates, was trying to negotiate the building and development of Moscow Trump Tower. A billion-dollar deal, I understand. Correct. A deal which would have paid the president and his family hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, Russia, in order to get building done there of this magnitude, you would require the approval of its president, Vladimir Putin. Yep. So in order for Mr. Trump to have accomplished this project, which he was concealing, which he was lying about to the American people, he needed President Putin's approval. Well, maybe President Putin wanted something back in return. And what is it that he re- wanted? He wanted the sanctions removed. And what is amazing about this deal, and this is a very important fact that gets overlooked because it's so complicated when you start examining what happened between Russia and President Trump, The financing for that billion-dollar Trump Moscow Tower would have been through a sanctioned Russian bank. So in other words, United States has put sanctions on banks for bad behavior, and the financing for Trump Tower or Moscow would have been through one of these banks that's prohibited from doing that. Correct. So the only way that Moscow Tower could have been done would be to remove the sanctions. So if you start looking at the conduct of our president— you will see that he has supported Vladimir Putin and Russia in everything they've done. President Trump has attacked Gold Star families who lost their children in our military serving our country. He's attacked Rosie O'Donnell. He's attacked actors, actresses. He's attacked public figures. He's attacked members of the government. There are only two people he's not attacked. He's not attacked Vladimir Putin of Russia, and he's not attacked Saudi Arabia's rulers. Now, what is... President Trump have in common with those two countries? Financial interests. Okay, so Cohen has pled guilty to the secret payments. He's pled guilty Which to... Which if the American public had known about it, it might have been a different outcome in the election. He's pled guilty to... To lying to Congress about, about Russia, Trump Tower and all his contacts, which if the American people had known about, he might not have been elected. Gotcha. And what's the? you said there was a third thing, as I recall, that Cohen. Well, the third thing is that the two – I'm referring to two things with Cohen. Okay, okay. And then the third thing – and actually you could call it a fourth thing because Michael Cohen was prosecuted by the Southern District of New York for the hush payments to the porn star and the playmate that were not reported. Right. But then uh, Special Prosecutor Mueller prosecuted him for lying for Congress. So there okay. were two separate cases that were consolidated. But you also had Michael Flynn, who is pleading guilty to lying to the FBI about his contacts with the Russian ambassador, in which we've now learned that he was talking about removing sanctions before President Trump took office. And again, removing sanctions was financially beneficial to the Trump organization and to the president directly. Correct. And it is now my impression, and this is my opinion from 
absorbing all this information, is that perhaps President Trump was covering up contacts with Russia because he thought he was going to lose the election. And he was pursuing financial deals with Russia that if he becomes president, he is conflicted by. And that is the reason that every president prior to President Trump has removed himself from his business dealings. He's put all of his business dealings in a blind trust so that no one could claim maybe you're taking actions as president that favor your personal business interest instead of the government. In fact, and it's quite amazing to look back on it now. Jimmy Carter put his peanut farm into a trust when he became president, so no one could accuse him of taking actions as president that would benefit his peanut farm. Driving up peanut prices. There you go. So there are many things this president has done that make people wonder if he is doing it for his own personal benefit or for the benefit of the country. And the fact that we're having this discussion, that we're wondering whether he's doing it for personal benefit or not, is something that the founders of our country tried to avoid by something called the Emoluments Clause. There are so many lawsuits pending right now against our president, it is hard to keep track of them. But one of them is Citizens for, I think it's Ethical Government. I forget the name of the organization. Crew? They have filed a lawsuit against President Trump claiming that foreign governments are doing business at his hotels in order to curry favor with them. And in fact, recently learned, Saudi Arabia purchased 500 hotel rooms in the 90 days after President Trump Purchased, in other words, rented the hotel rooms. That's that's correct. Rented 500 hotel rooms in President Trump's hotel in Washington, D.C. in the first 90 days after he was inaugurated. Those hotel rooms were given to veterans who were flown over from all over the country who unknowingly were lobbying Congress, uh, members of the House of Representatives Senate, on behalf of Saudi Arabia. Let me, that's one thing that has puzzled me a little bit. I've heard this it's amazing scandal about the Saudis renting rooms at the Trump Hotel, and obviously that would inure to the benefit of the Trump Organization. And I understand that veterans, which seems like a nice idea, bringing veterans in. So do you have any understanding of the logistics of how they were lobbying? Was there a particular law that they were saying we support or were opposed to? Or how did that work exactly? Well, I'm not clear about how they did the lobbying. Okay. What I am clear about is that this had been done in the past. And until President Trump was elected president, the veterans were placed in hotels in Crystal City, which the rates were about 150 to 200 bucks a night. The Washington Post did an investigation of this. The journalist's name is Farenthold. David Farenthold, yeah. And he's the one that exposed the fact that President Trump has, uh, in the past, claimed to have given money to charity, and they've discovered that he never made the donations. But he's the one that discovered that the Saudi uh, Arabian government was paying $768 a night for the hotel rooms at the Trump Tower instead of $150 to $200 a night in Crystal City. Before the amount of payment was uh, known, the response by the Saudi Arabian government was, well, we were getting discounted prices on the rooms. And then they discovered they were not. So think about how President Trump has responded to the murder of the journalist uh, Khashoggi, who were, was a journalist for the Washington Post, who was murdered in the Saudi Arabian embassy in Istanbul, Turkey. President Trump has not taken strong action against Saudi Arabia, yet Saudi Arabians have purchased hundreds of millions of dollars of condominiums and other properties from President Trump. They rent from his hotels. There's a quote of him saying, the Saudis buy my condos for $40, $50 million. Why would I not like the Saudis? Same thing with the Russians. There are videotapes of 
President Trump's uh, sons talking about how much money they get from Russia. There's a very famous videotape of Donald Trump Jr. Uh, when asked after his father had declared bankruptcy four times with companies, how are you getting money for these deals? The banks won't loan you any money anymore. And he says, we have all the money we need from Russia. This was in the 2000s. So President Trump used to borrow. He was the king of debt. And he has always said the way to make money is to borrow other people's money and use it to make money. When he had his bankruptcies in the 90s and early 2000s. Associated with the casinos in, in Yes. President Jersey. Trump has declared uh, – his companies have declared bankruptcy I think four times. Maybe six companies. I'm not sure. I know the airline did. The casinos did. But regardless, President Trump – somehow got a stream of revenue that did not involve American banks. Involved Deutsche Bank, right? And, and Deutsche Bank loaned him hundreds of millions of dollars. And it is curious that he has taken positions that favor the countries that have loaned him money, which is Russia and Saudi Arabia. So there's a question as to whether or not our president has been compromised by the Russians or anyone else. Well, we could just look at his tax returns and we could see he hasn't, right? Well, President Trump is the first president in over 40 years who's refused to turn over his tax returns. So we don't know whether or not he's indebted to some of the countries that he's showing favoritism towards. And I'll point out that the Republican platform in 2016, in the summer of 2016 – For the convention. For the convention. The platform is the what the party stands for. And one of the things that was in that platform was that the United States would offer aid to Ukraine to combat a Russian invasion. And Russia did invade the Crimea. Correct. Part of the Ukraine. And curiously, the plank in the Republican platform that supported the United States helping Ukraine defend itself against a Russian invasion was removed from the platform. And it is unclear why the Republican Party, which had been so anti-communism, anti-Russia, all of a sudden had removed that plank to not support the United States giving aid to Ukraine. There are many things that have been done, particularly about sanctions. President Trump is on record before he was elected as saying he thinks sanctions should not be imposed on Russia. His national security agency head, Michael Flynn, was talking about removing sanctions from Russia. Jared Kushner was talking about getting a back channel through the Russian embassy to talk to Russia without any Americans knowing about it. What was that about? There had been meetings with Jared Kushner with a president of a sanctioned Russian bank. So the question becomes, do we have a president whose family and organization are using the presidency to get personal financial gain over what, what's best for our country? And it's a legitimate question in light of what has turned out to be discovered. You about, don't think it's a hoax then? You know, our CIA head says it's not a hoax. And he's the person that would know about this. So I don't mean to – there are so many things that one type could digress into. But the Deutsche Bank matter – is one that's sort of an interesting little it's turn in the road that – and this is – I'm afraid talking about the Trump administration automatically leads you to thousands of turns. But this summer, there was a surprise retirement by Justice Anthony Kennedy, who in the Supreme Court, it's always been thought of. There were kind of four conservatives, four liberals, and then Anthony Kennedy, while conservative-leaning, would often be the fifth vote that would give a majority to people. And he suddenly, out of the blue, retired this summer – and there is some suggestion that there might be some relationship between that and his son. Can you flesh that out just a little bit for our listeners? This is one of the uh, odd things that we see in this entire escapade involving President Trump. It turns out that Anthony Kennedy's son was in the personal wealth development division of Deutsche Bank. 
It further turns out that President Trump, before he was president, received hundreds of millions of dollars through Deutsche Bank's personal wealth division. At a time when no American banks would lend to him, He couldn't correct? get any loans because he had four, it was either four or six bankruptcies. And he had defaulted on innumerable loans. So somehow he was getting hundreds of millions of dollars out of the Deutsche Bank personal wealth division. This is extremely odd. The personal wealth division may make personal loans, but these loans were for commercial ventures. These loans were for golf courses. There's one in Scotland that he bought and developed that is he's paid, I think, over $50 million, $100 million for it. He's developed all these projects around the world using hundreds of millions of dollars in loans from Deutsche Bank, but the loans did not come from the commercial loan division. That's where those loans should have come from. Okay. They came through a personal banker, Anthony Kennedy's son, through the personal wealth division that went to Donald Trump's organization. There is speculation, and that's all it is at this point, that it came through the personal wealth division because Russian oligarchs personally guaranteed the loans. In other words, why would a man who has declared bankruptcy multiple times, who has demonstrated an ability to lose hundreds of millions of dollars in his business ventures, why would Deutsche Bank's personal wealth division make him hundreds of millions of dollars of loans? And the thinking is that he's indebted to Russian oligarchs who either put up collateral or guarantees for those loans. And there are now investigations into Deutsche Bank. And in fact, Deutsche Bank was raided, I believe, this summer. And the personal wealth division was one of the offices that was raided. And the question becomes, are federal authorities investigating whether Anthony Kennedy's son may have made inappropriate loans to President Trump based on collateral from Russian oligarchs? And if so, is that something the American people should have known about? They would have known about it if they'd seen his tax returns. The tax returns would have reflected the interest payments on the loans. But President Trump has refused to allow anyone to see his tax returns. So is there speculation that Kennedy's retirement is somehow related to somebody squeezing his son? Or what's, well, how, if, how does if, that if you want to go in the conspiracy direction, the conspiracy theory would be that someone went to Anthony Kennedy and said, there's some bad things your son did at Deutsche Bank. And if you don't retire so that President Trump can appoint a replacement. And by the way, it would be much more subtle than this. There's one thing that I've learned after 34 years of being a lawyer is that you never really say exactly what you want a person to do if that advice is untoward or improper. And gotcha. I'm not talking about something I would do or you would do. I'm talking about what I've observed in others. So it's done very subtly. And it may have been someone going to Anthony Kennedy saying something as simple as, we really want to help you. We really want to help protect your son. There's all this information. We really want to protect it. I don't know how this happened, but there is speculation that somehow Justice Kennedy's retirement is connected to what his son did in, with the hundreds of millions of dollars in loans to the Trump I have heard the quote from like a year before where he said he had no plans of imminent retirement. So it was sort of interesting. It's a very confusing and inexplicable retirement. The timing of it is. Makes no sense. Okay. So hearkening back to the last week, the third component, I think, was President Trump's campaign manager, Paul Manafort, came in for some further legal difficulties. Can you enlighten us on that? Paul Manafort was the campaign manager. And Paul Manafort has a history representing the Ukrainian president who was connected to Russia. And Okay. Let me just, from a geographic discussion. There was a pro-Russian president of the Ukraine. He was ultimately chased out of office more or less for corruption by the Ukrainians. 
actually went back to Russia. And That's at that correct. point in time, Russia more or less engaged in a secret war with the Ukraine where they took the Crimean Peninsula and the war kind of secretly goes on to the present time. Is that accurate? Correct. And there were soldiers that were ev- invading eastern Ukraine, but they weren't wearing any Russian military garb, but they had Russian weaponry. And the Russians were trying to tell the world that these invaders who were coming from Russia with Russian weapons, but not wearing Russian uniforms, were really Ukrainian separatists or rebels. Rising up against the Rising up evil against government. the evil okay. government. And in reality, the Russians were actually invading Ukraine. So I just wanted to connect the dots a little bit on the Russia business, that Paul Manafort's representation, he has connections in Russia of all sorts, He's, but that the Ukrainian president he was representing was a pro-Russian one who is now in Russia. And correct. So the, so the thought is that Manafort learned ways to have someone elected who might not otherwise win the popular vote by doing the kinds of things that the Russians are alleged to have done in the United States in the 2016 election. As such as? Propaganda, disinformation, lies. Do you remember in 2016, there was a man that came up from North Carolina with a rifle that shot up the Comet Ping Pong -pong pizza parlor. And he came up to Washington from North Carolina to free the child sex slaves. In the basement that of were in Comet the Ping basement Pong. of Comet Ping Pong. This is a classic example of Russian disinformation and propaganda. And it was traced back to Russia that this was originally found. But basically, social media started having articles and blogs and, and stories about this child sex ring run by Hillary Rodham Clinton and the Democratic National Party, where Democrats could come into the basement of the ping pong pizza parlor, because, of course, no one would notice it if you did it at a pizza parlor in the District of Columbia. Makes sense. And you would have these sadistic sex parties in the basement, and no one would ever know. Well, of course, it was ridiculous disinformation. It was propaganda. And the idea is to put information out in the public sphere that affects people's viewpoints of certain politicians. Do you remember also, and by the way, it was completely false. So the man was arrested and he discovered there's no sex slave ring here. There's no basement. There's no basement. It was ridiculous. And yet thousands and thousands of people believed it. So what the Russians do is they provide disinformation and they're not trying to convince you to believe what they're saying. They're trying to confuse you. So what has happened in America today is that people's points of view, and this is my personal opinion, people's points of view tend to be formed by what their news source is. So if you read Breitbart, if you watch Fox News, you have a particular view of politics in our country that's diametrically opposed to the people that watch CNN and MSNBC. So if our society can't agree on the facts that constitute the truth, we can't have a democracy. It's kind of brilliant in an evil way, though. It's brilliant in an evil way. And it appears that for financial gain, our president has participated in this. So Paul Manafort, we were, were Paul Manafort was his... convicted of seven or eight counts before a jury and pleaded guilty to two other counts, one of which was conspiracy to defraud the United States government. And he was cooperating with the prosecutor. He entered into a plea agreement because it looked like he would spend the rest of his life in jail. Recently, the United States attorney, uh, special prosecutor, withdrew the plea agreement and notified the court that Mr. Manafort had been lying to the prosecutor. And we now have learned that Paul Manafort, during the time that he was cooperating with the special prosecutor, 
was actually, through his attorney, giving information to President Trump as to what the prosecutor was doing. You can tell, if you cooperate as a criminal defendant, you can tell where a prosecutor is coming from. You can tell what evidence he has by the what questions, questions you asks. are asked. Exactly. So if he asks a question on a topic that you didn't know he knew about, you can then say to the president, hey, he's got information on this topic. He knows about this. And it appears that the president's lawyers and the president coordinated with Paul Manafort, who was supposedly cooperating with the uh, special prosecutor, in order to bring a case against President Trump. So it is amazing that he did this, and they've withdrawn the plea agreement, which means that Mr. Manafort will probably spend the rest of his life in jail. He's 72 years old. He's looking at 10 to 20 years. He had connections with people through the Ukraine that are connected to the Russian intelligence agencies. Now, one of the things that people have to understand is that Russia is a hostile government to our country. They are doing things around the world that harm the United States' interests. So one of the things I'm concerned about is that the newer generation coming up is only hearing things from President Trump, and it's like, hey, let's all get along. Russia is wonderful. Well, Russia is responsible for killing hundreds of thousands of civilians in Yemen by advancing the Yemeni war. The so Russians, Saudi Arabia. The Russians are invading Ukraine. Our NATO treaty says that if a country invades a NATO member, and Ukraine is hard, hard to say where this goes, but do we defend Ukraine? I think we wouldn't, but... So what you need to know is that Russia is trying to harm the United States' interests. They've done it in Syria, and they've done it all around the world. And we seem to be now saying... Russia's interests are our interests, and they are not. So in essence, I gather you have some thought that it's possible that the economic interests of President Trump and his family and the Trump Organization supersede the national interests of the United States. Yes, and I also think, again, this is my opinion, that our president has engaged in felonious criminal conduct that should lead to an impeachment. The problem is that in a government of checks and balances, if you have a Republican Congress that is compromised, and that's what I believe, I believe that the Republicans are compromised by the acceptance of illegal campaign contributions from the Russians. And boy, that's another story we can get into, but you can look into the NRA, just Google it, Russian campaign contributions, NRA, the NRA. Just yesterday, this Russian agent, 30-year-old woman. Butina, Marina Butina, Butina has yeah. now turned, and we will learn about whether or not she was influencing the Republican Party by contributing through um, Russian nationals who had become American citizens, tens of millions of dollars into the Republican National Party. But if the Republican National Party is in the majority and they do not do the checks and balances, that is oversight of President Trump, then the president can continue doing things that may be harmful to our country. And I predict that we are on the verge of entering into a constitutional crisis. When Robert Mueller provides his report, I believe he will conclude that our president has been engaged in felonious conduct. Felonious meaning a felony, meaning criminal conduct. Criminal correct? conduct. And I believe that it could lead to impeachment proceedings, which will throw this country into a crisis because there is still a large amount of people that have been persuaded by President Trump that it's all a witch hunt. It's all a hoax. And perhaps this is one of the greatest damage he's done to our country. But when you are in court on a jury and you hear an FBI agent take the stand and he says, we have been able to conclude through our investigation that this defendant committed this murder, is the jury going to say, wait a minute, that's the FBI. Our president told us they're corrupt. We can't believe them. I'm not going to believe that guy. He's the government. And the foundation of our society is the rule of law. And if we no longer trust those who enforce the law, 
we're going to have some bad outcomes in court. So let me have you put on your predictive cap for a moment because there's so much material here we could talk for a week about it. What do you predict will occur in the next two years with regard to the president and the government of the United States? I predict that Robert Mueller will indict several family members as well as other people connected to— Family members of President Trump. uh, —of the Trump campaign. And I really can't predict what's going to happen. Do you think that President Trump will be President Trump in 2021? I do not. But I'm interested and curious about what James Comey, the former FBI head, said, and that is that he hopes that the Congress does not impeach President Trump, that he hopes that he is simply elected out of office in 2020. And there's something to that that I could agree with, because the Republicans will not impeach President Trump. As Orrin Hatch said yesterday, I don't care if he committed crimes. He's a good president. I have a somewhat more optimistic view of Republicans simply based upon the Nixon experience, and that is – I think that there is such a body of information and such a body of compromise that there may well be a situation where Mueller and the Congress managed to put before the American people such a huge body of information that indicates criminal conduct on President Trump's part and on the part of his family that ultimately the president elects to step down and or alternatively he is impeached and the Senate votes to convict him. I would say it's 50-50. I just don't know which way this goes. I do know that if you pay attention to what has happened over the last two years, it's quite shocking. And our president has done an incredibly brilliant job through Twitter of preempting the American people from believing the truth of what our media is telling it and what they've discovered. And I'll merely point out the First Amendment is freedom of the press and freedom of speech. And our press has to reveal what's gone on in order for our country to make an informed decision. Fake news, Alan. That's what he's done so well. If you don't believe the news and you believe him, then everything's wonderful. And all these things that the special prosecutor has discovered is a hoax. On that happy note, this has been Everyday Law. Happy holidays. Hopefully things will calm down a little bit. It's Bob Clark. Farewell. Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Radio.